we are trying to we're trying to change that perspective of not knowing our neighbors to knowing our neighbors. And I want to welcome those of you who are guests here. My name is Greg Harris. I'm the senior pastor here at Olive Branch. And glad that you guys would be joining us today as we're continuing to have a conversation about how to connect with our neighbors, how to uh, invite people into our lives, and really to combat a lot of loneliness. But before we dive into the message, I want to take a minute. There is a lot of people that you and I know right now who are sick. They've either been sick with the flu or they've got a cold or there's something going on out there. And there's a lot going down. So I just want to take a minute and just uh, that we as a congregation would just pray over those people. Would you join with me, please? We're going to just bow our heads together. Father, we, um, we come to you. You are the, the healer and the, the God of, uh, over our, our lives and our bodies. And we thank you that you would know and see all these people in our lives who we care about and who are right now not doing well, whether it's our children, whether it's our spouse, whether it's a family member or, or a neighbor or a friend. We lift them before you. God, would you just touch them? Would you bring them to, uh, to wellness, God, in this season that's kind of scary this year? And we ask that you would uh, indeed just continue to uh, p- place your mercy upon them and your grace, give them healing and give them um, that opportunity to just... Um, get up, get moving back into life, get re-engaged with uh, their work, with the church, with their school, whatever they're in. And Father, as we begin to engage in conversing with our neighbors, and we continue to talk about the instructions and the teachings that you've given us to love our neighbors, would you just um, open our hearts and our minds, enable us to have the energy and the uh, opportunity to engage in this message today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, I had this wonderful opportunity to actually get out to Colorado with a group of my friends. Uh, and we had gone to, uh, to visit some friends they knew, and we were headed up north to go to a graduation in Idaho. But when we landed in Colorado, uh, I had come in the evening. And so the night, finally the light uh, went away. It was night. It was dark. And we pulled into this basic suburb in Colorado Springs. Pulled into somebody's home. It's a nice two-story, very nice house. Um, their houses were a little bit further apart than than I was used to here in California, where you can literally like reach out and touch somebody's home if you opened your window. Um, and it was kind of this nice distance. Got up the next morning and I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and take a walk around, see what this place is like. Has not been in, in the backyards and around the area of Colorado. This is a good place. Head into the backyard and I'm kind of like suddenly shocked because there's some guy standing out there, you know, kind of in his bathrobe, drinking his coffee. And he's like, hi. I'm like, why am I staring into other people's backyards? You ever been there? There are no fences in the backyard. This is wide open, green belt all the way. I'm like, this is bad. I'm, I'm staring into your bag. I felt like, you know, this wasn't the right thing to do. I'm looking to my right and it's stretching green all the way out to the, to the street. And I, and I look to the left and it's stretching out. And then there's one house with a fence around it. And I'm like, who lives there? He's like, oh, those guys are from California. Yes. We are the ones who like our fences. We are the ones who want to keep our fences. As we talked last week, we, want, we like our distance. We like our privacy. We want to keep our arms distance away from people. We do that at our property level. And I didn't realize how much fences kept us away from our neighbors until my fence fell over. I had that house that we had bought, and the fence was kind of rickety. It wasn't that good. My wife kept telling me, you've got to fix that fence. You've got to fix that fence. I'm thinking, I don't know how. And finally, one day, the fence in the windstorm just goes clunk. And we're like... This is bad. And so now I'm having to go to the, these aren't your next door neighbors. These are our neighbors behind you, right? So I have to go meet the people on the other street who you usually don't meet because when you look out, 
you look over their house and in the place that I live. So here's their fence. They're down. I'm looking into their backyard. Same feelings. This is wrong. I'm not comfortable with this. But then I went around the corner, met the neighbors and um, two awesome people. In fact, they were Christians. We got talking. They actually now come to our church. They greeted in first service. And then our other next door neighbors were um, kind of, they had kids our age, but they just were kind of more of a distant. And as we got to know them a little bit more, I started realizing if this fence had never fallen down, I would have never had this contact. I would have never made these connections. Makes me wonder how many other fences have we put up in our lives, metaphorical fences in a sense. And if you've ever taken your phone out and you have an iPhone, you can effectively do what they like to call moon people. You know, you turn on the do not disturb button and it's a little moon. Um, Mooning means something different to anybody older. um, You don't really want to moon your neighbors. It's not a good idea. Um, But what you can do is actually lift it up and put people on do not disturb. And you can actually select people who you put on do not disturb. You don't have to just do the whole phone. And in this way, you can block callers and do all this stuff. And it's a way that they've given you to manage the people in your life. And I find that fascinating. You don't get to pick your neighbors, but you can pick who you want in your life otherwise. We can even select who calls us, who doesn't call us, and how we get connected. We can have private Facebook and private um, Instagram accounts, all these different things. And we select how much engagement we really want. But when somebody moves into your neighborhood, they didn't come to your door, knock on and say, who are you? I want to interview you to see if I really want to buy this house. We buy the house because we like the house and the neighborhood kind of comes in with it. And yet we create our offenses to keep those neighbors at bay because we don't get to choose them all the time. And what I've been challenging us is that Jesus has been the best neighbor. He's been the one who literally broke down the fences, crossed over eternity, stepped in as a human being. That this God, the creator God who made all of humanity, who made me and you, is a God of community. He's a God of relationship. He's a triune God, a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. And he made us like him to be in relationship. And what we're discovering and seeing in our current culture is that we are being more alone than ever. Loneliness is on the rise and people are keeping people at a distance. And even when we think we're connecting, we're not. And when human beings get lonely, we get weird. We don't act right. We get depressed. Things start to break in our souls and our lives. Depression is increasing. And as depression increases, so is the suicide rate. And it's, they're attributing it to this massive feeling of loneliness. God didn't intend for us to be lonely, intended us to be in a community, to be around each other in families, and yet we're keeping ourselves at arm's length. And so we realize what Jesus has showed us in, in coming was that he longs for our community and commanded us to love our neighbors. We looked at that last week. That's not just a feeling. It's actually something that we're to engage in the, meeting the needs and the betterment of people around us. And that's really what love is. And as we engage in that, it can get a little overwhelming. And so we need to, to continue to realize we got to love people as we love ourselves. But the question is, how do we go about doing this? I mean, Jesus gave us the command, but is there an actual method? Is there an actual way that we should engage in loving our neighbors, in loving our coworkers, in loving those people at the grocery store that we see all the time? And the answer is, yeah, Jesus did actually give us a way. His followers weren't left alone. He didn't just show up, be an example, and not give us any direction. He, In fact, he lays out direction in the book of Luke, chapter 10. If you would like to turn there with me, open your Bibles with me to Luke, chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through one through nine, one through seven in that area. And so I'm asking you guys to, to grab that, examine this text. If you don't have a Bible, they're available on page 868 in the seats, um, in the Bibles in the seats. And so you can join with us there. 
Now, the background of this section is that Jesus has already been kind of leading his followers, his, called his disciples, his students, for, for about a year or more now. They've watched him minister. They've watched him preach. They've watched him cast out demons. They've watched him heal. And now he's um, taken his 12 apostles and he sent them out to do this. They've come back in success. And now he's going to expand the ministry. So it says that after the Lord had appointed, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, 72 other disciples, and he sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So he's setting them out on this mission. He's going to say, I'm going to these towns. I want you to take my message. I want you to take this understanding that you of a relationship with God through me and a relationship with one another. And I want you to make this known to these people. Get moving, get out there and do this. And so he starts with this command. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, this is an interesting spot. You can look up. We'll pause there. Jesus does not begin with just a simple get going. He starts with prayer. He begins with, guys, we need to be praying. Now, last week, I gave us the instruction to be asking the Lord to give us his compassion. And maybe the last week you've been doing that. You were really praying, Lord, I want that compassion. Lord, give me the compassion that you have. I want to love my neighbor. I don't want to just get engaged and not have a love for them. But the next question is, have we been praying for each other? Have we been praying for those that are here, present with you here at Olive Branch or in the church? You see, the first thing we need to be doing is praying for one another, not just praying for our neighbors, but praying for each other. There, there's a, a whole group of people that he says, hey, there's a, there's a harvest out there. We need to get people out there to get moving. There's a success of relationship, a success in, in spreading this message about God's love and the relationship with God and the work of Jesus Christ as the good neighbor to bear our sins and set us free from the mess and the evil and the stuff that keeps us from knowing him. And we get a chance to get out there and share this message. But he says, first of all, if you're going to love your neighbors, you got to get going. we got to get out there, but pray for each other. And I'll tell you what, I need prayer. Just as somebody who is an introvert, and I don't, and I, and I struggle with talking to people and I get into these cocoon modes. I don't know, other introverts out there, you know what I'm talking about. You, you've spent all day talking to people and you come home and the last thing you want to do is go engage with another person. You're like, can I just curl up and just sit here and re-energize for like an hour? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm the only introvert in the room. So I'm going to go sit over here and get some energy. Um, no, some of you are extroverts. You come home and you're like wired. You're like, let's go to a party. Let's go to the movies. Let's go meet some more people. And you guys are great at connecting with your neighbors unless they're an introvert. Because you're like, hey! And they're like, I want my cocoon. You know, so it doesn't always work. But we want to ensure that we're praying for each other because we need it. We need the compassion of the Lord in each other to love each other, even when we don't really want to connect. Or compassion to let those people have some distance, even when we want to really grab them and say hi. We need to have this wisdom about ourselves. I mean, so many times we can make the wrong move in the conversation. We, we meet somebody we're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, great. And he's saying, you're having this guy. Suddenly you get into politics. That's not where we want to go in our conversations with our neighbors right away, is it? N not last time I checked. And we don't want to get into our problems. You know what the HOA did to me the other day? I can't believe what that HOA did. They threw this thing on my car. I'm part of the HOA. Now I know what the problem is. You know, that's not what we want to do. 
You don't want to get into your frustrations about your HOA, about the other neighbors on your block, about the other things. You know, I've, I've made those mistakes. I hate to think that I made those mistakes, but I've made those mistakes. And we need to be praying for wisdom for each other. We need to be praying for wisdom that we would, we would, God would speak to us the right things at the right times to begin to have these relationships and connect with these people to love them rightly. But if we're not praying for each other and we're just praying for ourselves, we're missing out on a lot of connection, a lot of care, and a lot that God can be doing. But even more than that, we need to be praying for opportunities. And we need to be praying that we take them. There are opportunities constantly available to all of us. My, I have a neighbor that lives across the street. And um, for some reason, we have a similar schedule, I guess, because we wind up mowing our lawns roughly around the same times, wind up pulling our trash cans around out at the same times. And what's funny is when I first moved in, I got to know uh, Rich real fast. He was really easy to connect with, and he's a great, congenial guy. I'm thinking, this guy's going to be great. And ever since then, I'll be outside mowing. I'll be like, hey, and he just keeps mowing. And I'm like, okay, don't say hey. And so I've learned. He wants his space, I give him his space. So I mow my lawn, he looks over at me, I look over at him. I think he looks at me going, that guy's really angry. No, it's just my eyebrows, don't look at that. <laughs> and so I mow the lawn and I do the stuff and he does his stuff and he pops into his house and I pop into my house and I'm thinking, I can't get to this guy, I want to really have a conversation, but I don't want to invade his space. He seems like he doesn't like me invading his space. And so I'm out there one day and I'm doing this yard work and I'm doing stuff with my kids and he's out there doing his thing and my next door neighbor, Paul, who's this awesome Christian guy, just goes doo -doo -doo, over there and starts talking to him and having this great conversation. I'm like, that's not fair. What does Paul get to have the conversation? I mean, he talks, he's just, how did he? and I realized the, the reason Paul gets to have the conversation is he took the opportunity. It didn't bother him that maybe this guy didn't look like he wanted to have a conversation. Paul just assumed he does because I want to have a conversation with you. I want to get to know my neighbors. And it's awesome. I love seeing Christians do that. And so I'm praying for Paul that he has more opportunities. And I'm praying for Paul that he takes those opportunities. And I'm praying he has wisdom because I'm going to obey the scriptures. I'm going to pray for my Christian neighbors to do this, right? Then I don't have to. No, that's not the point. Just praying for each other doesn't do a whole lot. Let's be honest. We, we can talk about the power of prayer, but the power of prayer is found when we realize all that Jesus told us. He says, pray, knowing that God will answer your prayers. So ask, but then you seek because the answer is there and knock. We have to put some activity behind our prayer. You don't just sit there and go, God, let me connect with my neighbors and wait at your door until they knock on it. That's not how it's going to work. He asks you to get engaged. No wonder he doesn't stop at prayer, but he moves forward to go. Look at verse 3. Go your way. He says, yes, pray, but go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. We'll get to that in a second. And Jesus basically says, hey, go, get moving. Don't just wait around here. Don't just hang out. You need to get moving. If we're going to break down some fences, we're going to tear some fences down in order to get some connections, then you literally have to tear the fence apart. I've done it. You got to get rid of it. You got to clean it up. And if you're going to really connect with people and tear down metaphorical fences, you have to take that time to make that phone call. You have to take that time to ask that question. You have to take that time to make contact with your neighbor, contact with the grocer, contact with that coworker. There must be the contact, and it's huge because it means you've got to have a plan, some kind of little plan, not a big plan, but maybe it's just saying hi. Maybe it's just as simple as greeting them when they're outside and not taking a mowing my lawn for, for, for an excuse. It means 
kind of stepping forward to make this happen. One of the big themes in the New Testament that is often not seen is the theme of hospitality. Hospitality is a big idea. In fact, we're commanded multiple times to be hospitable as Christians. And a hospitable person, the word literally in the Greek means the lover of others. And it's somebody who's willing to have an open-door policy on their life. Now, I'll tell you what, we do not have open-door policies in our culture. You've not been trained to. Some stranger comes up and knocks on your door. The first thing we do is we kind of look at, who's out there? We look down from our second story, who's there? We go to the peephole, and you look, and you start looking, and you're like, who is that? Isn't that what we do? And I find out as a salesperson, I turn around to my kids, be quiet! Be quiet! And I'm trying to like, shh, we're not home! I hear you in there saying you're not home, you know, that kind of a thing. We, we, we avoid people. When we open the door, we don't open it all the way. Hey, welcome! We kind of go like, what do you want? Who are you? One time I found a cell phone in the street, an iPhone, a nice iPhone in the street in front of one of my neighbor's homes. I went over there. I'm like, this thing's going to get run over. What is this? I pick it up. I realize it's a cell phone and it belongs probably to the house in front. So I took a guess. I walked up and knocked on the door. Donk, donk, donk. And I hear them come to the door. I hear them looking out the, you know, you can't hear them looking, but you can hear them at the door. And then they don't answer it. And I'm like, Okay, you don't want the cell phone. I just kind of set it there, and I was like, I hope it's theirs, and I moved on. And I, I, later, they were like, did you keep bringing the cell phone by? I'm like, yes, I did. They're like, thank you so much. We thought you were the delivery man. And I'm like, I guess I look like a UPS worker, but the, uh, this is the world we live in. We're not an open-door people. We're suspicious. We think the people living around us are really bad dudes and ladies sometimes. They think that about you too. And we're suspicious. What are they going to do to my kids? And who are they? What are they going to do? What's going to happen? And we take each other on the suspicion instead of the hospitality. God says, open your door. Open your life. When somebody walks by, say hi with a smile. Greet them. Love on people. When they come to your home, give them that hospitality. Welcome people out. In fact, my wife was telling me about this simple thing that occurred, that's occurring in America called front yard people. I don't know if you've heard of front yard people, but one of their big things is, is involved with this lady who, who runs this group called the, the Turquoise Table. Years and years ago, this woman longed to have some kind of ministry and didn't really have one, wasn't sure where to go with it, and heard some podcasts. She was excited. She praying to God that, God, maybe I could be able to have a ministry one day. And she decides, I'm just going to have some people over. And so she went out, and though they didn't have a lot of money, they live in Austin, she went to the Home Depot and bought a Turquoise Table. She brought it home and set it in the front yard and to get it ready to go into the backyard. And she stopped and looked at it and was like, you know, I feel like the Lord's saying, that's where it belongs. And you're like, a turquoise table in the front yard? That's weird. Well, Austin's label is keep Austin weird. So she felt like she was in a good spot. So she looks at this turquoise table and she's thinking, that, that belongs there. She sat down the next morning. She's having some coffee and doing, I think she was doing some devotional. And along comes a neighbor. She'd never seen before. And they start talking. And because the there's this table. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm having this. You want to sit down? She sat down and became best friends. And from there, they began to invite people over. And they began to have people in their front yard to have times of just hanging out and having coffee and drinking and conversations this is caught on. People are buying turquoise tables and putting them in their front yards all over the place, as long as your HOA lets you. And they're just having this immense opportunity of, of building neighborhoods 
by living in their front yards instead of their backyards. And this has become a movement in the Christian faith that, guys, we are called to have this hospitality. We are called to bring people into our presence and befriend them. And it's as simple sometimes as having a plan of just a table in your front yard. But this isn't always going to go easy. It's not always going to turn, whatever you do isn't always going to turn into a national deal. In fact, um, Jesus tells us this isn't always going to be easy. There are going to be people who don't want you to connect with them. There are going to be people who don't like that you're trying to build these relationships. In fact, Jesus warns us of that. Notice he says, go your way, verse 3, but behold. Now, whenever you see that word behold, it's the way of the text trying to capture your attention. It's like going, hey! Some of you just had a heart attack, you know, and that's the idea. Hey, look at this. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to always go smoothly. There is going to be difficulty. People are not going to like you. People are not going to like everything that you do. That is not a red light, he's saying. How often do we run into difficulty and assume, oh, that's not God's will. That wasn't easy. No, he's saying, this is my will. I just told you to go. You're going to have speed bumps. Do not think the speed bumps are closed doors. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that you don't continue to follow through with what God is calling us to do. Yeah, there are going to be rough patches and there are going to be tough times. But this is God's call to us not to give up. He's saying, warning ahead of time, be ready will be difficult. It won't always be easy. So lastly, he says, now, just don't overthink it either. He goes on to say, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Why in the world would he say that? Because he wants you to get moving. He doesn't want you to delay. He doesn't want you sitting around going, I got my knapsack, and where's my, honey, where'd you put my walking shoes? You know, it's like walking around all day long, trying to get yourself all prepared so you have everything that you could possibly need and anticipate everything that you can possibly want. It's like, no, go now. Don't even worry about it. Sometimes it just takes us getting up and moving. Too often we plan too long, we think too much, we, and we talk ourselves out of the very things God has told us to do. And he's like, nope, just, just don't delay, get going now. Doesn't need to wait anymore. And some of these things all collect together to be just a challenge that we need sometimes just simple plans. We need just simple ways. We just need to get moving and going. And I want to introduce you guys to Dennis. Dennis is one of those men who has done this with his wife, Pam. And, um, and what's really cool is just uh, Dennis is actually leads our launch pad group at times. And he tries to help other people kind of begin to make these connections. So would you welcome Dennis as he comes on up? He's going to kind of share a couple things with you. Hey, Dennis. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Good. You got to keep that I microphone. I brought some lemons for you. Uh, We're growing a bunch of lemons on a tree back in our backyard. And thought you guys might like to uh, oh, have some. Thank you. Make a little lemonade. So it's just, what's this? That is a way of introducing yourself to your neighbor. Oh. You just walk over and say, hey, we've got a little extra. Here's some for you. Okay, so if I don't have a fruit tree, what do I do? You go out and buy some lemons and put them in a bag. Pretend that you grew them. Good answer. <laughs> but it's things like that, you know, that, that help you kind of break the ice and introduce you to your neighbors. So tell me about a couple of those events. You've, you've kind of mentioned a few last couple services about where you guys have connected with your neighbor, kind of broken through to, to make some contact and communication. How, how did that start? You know, you told about Pam and those kind of things. Yeah, one of the things that, uh, that uh, you can do is 
just be intentional about meeting people. My wife, uh, Pam, I think she's back there, if I can see, can you wave? There, there she is. There she is, back by the back door there. She walks her dog, and uh, she'll talk to people as she's walking. She met a gal that lives up the street from us, that we probably, she moved in about maybe five years ago, ago. and uh, she grows rose bushes all over her front lawn. And we thought, man, the lady's a little bit odd. You know, everybody's got a green lawn, and she's got nothing but rose bushes out there. So you get kind of a strange perception, right? Pam is really good about breaking past all that weird perception stuff and just melding with people and getting to know them. She's got a real gift about that. For me, that's kind of difficult. And it takes me some a real intentionality to get out and go beyond myself and, and chat with people. It's, it's not easy. It's, 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 for me, it's very hard. For her, it's very easy. But she's gone on, found out about the, the woman's health needs. Um, she's actually going to be going to Walmart or, or somewhere online and trying to find some dog repellent for the gal because she requested that from Pam. You know, can you help me do this? Keep dogs from coming up when I'm out in the yard. She's in a wheelchair. And so that's a way that Pam can serve her. Um, one of the other things that we do is uh, in a restaurant, one of our missionaries had uh, mentioned this during an interview with Kevin Kane, that what he and his wife like to do when they go to a restaurant is the server will come and bring them their food and they'll say, you know what, we'd like to pray uh, before we eat. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And it usually kind of takes them aback, and they go, well, you know, you get all kinds of responses. You'd be surprised. So Pam and I thought, well, let's go ahead and do that. Let's try that. So we went over to Corky's. A couple of different occasions we tried this. One occasion, uh, we had a young man who was a server, brings us our food, and I said, we'd love to, we, we enjoy praying before we eat. We'd love to pray for you if there's anything that, you know, you, you have in your heart that you'd like us to bring before God. And he stood there, actually kind of a longer time than I thought that he would. And he said, you know, he says, you can't pray for a girl who works here who lost two members of her family in an automobile accident. And I said, I'll do that. I, he walked away. And we, of course, Pam and I prayed. But while I was eating my meal, I had tears in my eyes because I didn't expect that. I mean, that was a, that knocked me over. But oftentimes, there are people out there who have deep, deep, deep hurts. And one of the things that I teach in Launchpad is that more often than not, atheists, very staunch atheists, are riddled with pain and hurt. And if you can come to the point where you can connect with them on a common level and love them, sometimes that pain's revealed. And you get to understand where their, where their position is in their heart toward God. And uh, sometimes people will do that in very unexpected ways. Well, thanks, Dennis. And I uh, would love you guys to meet him more of Dennis. As he, in Launchpad, he's got some great stories, great observations, a lot of helpful things. And also, just he'll be around service. So if you want to hear more, hear more of his stories, his ideas, uh, run down. I'm sure he'd, be, he'd love to give you more. Would you thank him for being here with us this morning? Just... 
When we bring Dennis, and last week we brought Sixto and his wife, Michelle, up, because we want you guys to see that this is being done, and it's not difficult to do, that there are those of us who are going. We're actually engaging, and we're seeing um, connections and relationships built amongst our neighborhoods in ways that, that are making impact and difference. In fact, he just mentioned kind of the next thing. It's not just simply going to go and and. and you know, I've met you. Yay, check. No, we don't want to turn people into projects like we said. But what happens is we go and we get to know them. And this was talking about how Pam has gotten to know that lady. And he, he's spoken about how they've, uh, they've done in their past uh, some art. Uh, he, he teaches a watercolor class in his backyard. And that's been another way they've connected with their neighbors. There's been a lot of these simple connections that they've made. And as they've grown in their conversation, they've gotten to know people. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about as he continues. In verse 4, 5, he says, Whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, don't, don't just rush around from place to place to place to place. From neighbor to neighbor to neighbor to neighbor, from um, Walmart, and then we're over at State of Brothers, and we're there. No, he says, "Look, find somewhere and focus. Stay there. Get to know them. Remain in that home as their hospitality comes to you, and you've given their hospitality to them. There's going to be a connection when you when you bring your peace, your blessing. There was a sense that it would stay. They would say, oh, thank you, welcome.' And that was a way of knowing you had been received." And so Jesus is saying, when you're received into the home, when your peace is welcomed in, now establish that relationship. Be with them. Don't run around. Get to know them. And this is huge for us. Jesus was a master at getting to know people. And he began with just a simple question. He began with the simple thing, like, can I pray for you? And Jesus' thing was, could I have some water? And just that simple question in the book of John, led him to one of the deepest conversations that we, we continue to analyze today as he got to know this woman at this well and grew deeper and deeper and deeper into her life until he was able to really understand and, and pinpoint where her and God weren't in relationship and heal that. And it brought a lonely woman to be well-known and loved in her community. And this is the kind of power that getting to know does. It enables us to connect. And uh, there's a lot of neighbors around us. and There's a lot of information to pull in. And there's a lot of things that we can do that, to get to know them. And one of the things I want to do is challenge you when you get to know somebody is not to focus on the negatives. It's so quick to find the, the weirdness or the difference between you and somebody else. And it's so easy to want to criticize because they're living with you and you got to look at their house or you got to look at their lawn or you got to deal with their, you know, some of us, we're just, that's who we are. We're critically minded. Others of you, you're not at all. So you're, you're already doing this. But let me just give you a piece of the playbook that Paul tells us in the way that we think. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Look at that list again. This is what our minds should be dwelling on. They should be dwelling on the true and the honorable and the just and the pure, lovely and commendable. And you know what? We love people who think like this. When you meet somebody and they see the good in you and they see the truth in you and they see the purity, they're just like, man, I just love this about you. You like those people. You make often those people your friends. It's those people who are like, 
I just don't like that. And, that's, and they're constantly picking at you and poking at you. You don't hang out with those people very often, do you? We keep them far, far away. And I don't want us to be those kind of people. We need to be the kind of people who are focused in on these good things. There's going to be time enough to deal with the differences. There's going to be time enough that God will bring the moment in which the sin is evident to them that they will begin to say, I've been really wrestling over this. What do I do? It's going to come to the time where they're going to ask you questions about your faith, but we need to be the kind of people who are focused in on the honorable and the just and the pure. And this is what we want everybody to do. We would love humanity to be the kind of people who see the good in each other and promote the good and the beautiful and the lovely and know what that is. And that's what I believe God is calling us to be as good neighbors and to get into. But let's be honest, that's a lot of information. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who meets people and I'm like, I shake your hand and I hear your name and I go about three minutes into the conversation. Oh, what was your name again? Is I, I'm that person. Anybody else there with me? You know, but if you were born in the fourth century BC and your name was Asher Panapple III and you were fighting Sennacherib in the battle of whatever, you know, then I gotcha. For some reason, ancient history sticks in my head. If you were ancient history, that would have been great, but that wouldn't have been helpful. But my neighbors, man, meeting my neighbors, sometimes you're like, what was their name? What was their name? What was their name? Others of you, you're like salespeople and you're masters at this. You're like, hi, so-and-so, and you knew their name before you met them because something on their body said their name. And, and it's incredible. And you remember their details. You got all this. This isn't for you. But for those of us who have my problem, we produced a small little something to give you a hand. And um, it looks a little bit about like the study that we had, but it's called the, our Being Neighborly booklet. It is intended as a memory device. Somebody said, oh, that's a stalker's manual. No. The stalker's manual comes with binoculars. If you need those, I'm just kidding. No, this is actually just a memory device. You want to use your phone, use your phone. But really, this is an opportunity for us to just to go, you know what? I can't remember all the details about my neighbors and my friends and people that are not my friends yet. My neighbors. I need to, sometimes I can't remember the details about my family. Let's be honest. And it helps you to have somewhere to write something down. And so you got their name on there. You've got their ability to go, okay, I, their kids' names and their ages. You can get their birthdays so that, guess what? You can remember. You can put it in your phone. And it can remind you. And you can go next door and say, hey, I wanted to say happy birthday. We got them a card from my kids to yours. And be like, wow, you guys care. That's nice. What? I can't remember my own kids' birthdays. That's cool. It's the ability to know when somebody's sick and to go, I gotta write that down. I've been praying for you on this, and I'm gonna can can we bring you a can we bring you a meal? I wanna care about you. And this is stuff that just improves the ability for us to build a relationship. And this simple booklet is made so that you can you can do that with those eight nearest neighbors around you. And just kind of have that information, be praying for them. Now you don't like pull it out and go, hey, check it out, I take notes. Don't do that. That that is scary. But the um but this is an opportunity for us just to kind of keep that in our minds, keep it fresh, and keep it available. You know, it's, I, I realize that even in our own lives, we can't remember everything about everybody. Um, in fact, one of the things I love about my wife is she finds out something that me or the kids want in a gift or something. She'll pull her phone out and simply go and, and say it into her phone or write it into her phone. about, And that gift is there waiting so that she has a ready-made list of how she can love and care about us. That's the same concept. And I don't want you guys to, to, to walk away from here without knowing that because you're going to find out a lot and there's going to be a lot of things that that peace connects with. My next door neighbor is, is a good example. I'll connect with him and I'll say, and I found out that he loves surfing. I mean, he gets up before dawn to go surfing, but he also loves 
backpacking and he loves fly fishing and he loves hiking and he loves the hunting and he loves to do all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I really like that stuff, but I don't love it. But my brother-in-laws love that stuff. And my brother-in-laws are both congenial people who love to talk like this guy. And I'm just like, man, I wish somewhere I could get him and my brother-in-laws together because they would be friends and they would go do stuff together because they love the same things. They have this similar kind of like passions about them. You ever felt like, man, I wish I could have some way to connect them because I've talked to my next door neighbor and I've invited him to church. He's like, I'm like, hey, we have this event. Love you to come out. It'd be great. He's like, sure, I'll be there on Florida's Day. What's Lourdes Day? Never. I'm not going to come. That's basically his point. There's, there's no day in which you will find me at that place. And, and the idea there is that he's not that direct. I'm being silly. But there are people like that. They're just not, they're not willing to come to a church event. That's not something. So we've been talking about an idea. Maybe we should float out there together. Call, we're calling them our collectives. Do you love woodworking? You know, there are other people in our church who love woodworking. Why not get together as an opportunity of just kind of this interest group that loves to hang out and do wood together and some of you like running a long, long way. And you like to get together with other people who like to run a long, long way. Others of you, you want to get on a bike and ride a long, long way. You want to have Olive Branch Peloton and be in there and just like everybody's riding together for 2,000 miles. You know, some of you, you don't like to use your, your legs to make the bike go. You like the motor to make the bike go. And you love your motorcycle. And there's a lot of you in this church who love motorcycles. Why aren't you guys getting together to talk shop, to work on stuff? And we're talking about forming these small little collectives because to be honest, it's far easier to find an interest with somebody and invite them into an interest group, connect with them in that level and just get to know each other in a relationship so that you can begin to move beyond just that relationship into the last thing that Jesus tells us to do, to live Christ in our care. And this really, I mean this, that you live like Christ by caring for people. In verse 9, he says, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town, they don't receive you. Go into a street and say, even the dust of this town clings to our feet. Wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near you. What he's saying here is there's, we'll talk about this later, there's a point in which evangelism can be done, but the relationship never stops. You build the relationship. Look, all this stuff, he says, build up this and then heal the sick and proclaim the gospel. Meet needs. Guys, we're supposed to be connecting with people and caring for people and meeting needs. There's going to become a moment where you are going to need to step in and help out. Where you're going to need to step up and meet a need and be a solution. Maybe it's just a prayer that you can give them. Or maybe it's an invitation, yeah, to a counseling group or to an event that we're doing that, that honestly could save their marriage. But you've built a relationship long enough that they trust you. And now your invitations can be heard. You build it up. You're consistent long enough. You're connecting with people. And it changes lives. Um, Carrie, somebody in our church, came to me after service last week. And she said, my goal, it sounds weird, but my goal is to be as good a neighbor as my neighbor. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? And Carrie began to unpack um, this story of how when they came into their neighborhood years and years ago, and they've lived there a long time, this lady, she met this lady, and the way they met was she invited her to go on a walk. And, and, and Carrie likes to walk, so they, they walked together, and they got to know each other, and they would start doing these walks together. 
And eventually this relationship started to grow. Carrie has adopted children and she has, some, she has special needs kids. And so you can imagine when you've got um, four kids in the house and it's just insane and lots of stuff going on and older kids. And it's just, it, it's just, it stretches you thin and then adds special needs on top of that. It, it's intense. And their neighbor will come over and she just shows up and says, hey, I need, Carrie, it sounds like you're having a rough day. I'm going to clean your house for you. She'd clean her house. To watch the kids as she would go for a walk. They, they think of her as a family member now, not a neighbor. Some of the kids ask, when's she coming over? When's she coming over? Because they enjoy her so much. That is a neighbor. That is a person who loves their neighbor as themselves. And hey, maybe you're thinking, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could get there. But you don't know yet. Because we haven't yet to go. We need to go first. We need to really know and we need to care. And that built that way. It didn't start off instantaneously, but in time it grew to where she became one of those people who loved her neighbor. Now, I don't even know if that neighbor is a Christian or not, but I'll tell you what, she lives like one. She lives like Jesus did. And the beautiful thing about it is I would rather have a whole world living like that, especially the church. See, we follow this Jesus who is this good neighbor. Ought we to be just like him as best as we can? And that's our call. That's our, that's, our, that's our command that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. And yes, we've got to go. He's given us some instructions and we don't have to overthink it. It doesn't have to be that complicated. But we can go. We can get to know. And we can care for these people in a powerful way. And I want to encourage you guys, it is possible and it is there. It's baby steps, one step at a time. Just cross the street, take the opportunities, pray for each other. And that's what I want to do now. Would you just join me in, in, your, in your own hearts, and your own minds? We're just going to pray for each other. Pray for the churches in Corona. Pray for the followers of Jesus that we would be those who truly are able to break out and love our neighbors. And, and just be a solution to the loneliness. Father, we do. We, we bring up our church, Olive Branch. God, we, we bring up all the services and the people who are here. God, those who aren't here today because they're sick or they're busy. God, we, we lift up a Crossroads and South Hills. And God, we lift up Connections Church and First Baptist. Father, we lift up just, um, just all the churches in town from, from New Beginnings. We think of Sandals. We think of just uh, Harvest. All of these, all these Christians who've been commanded to love our neighbors. God, we ask that you would allow us to get out there and to make the contacts and connections in our neighborhoods, that we would build these relationships and these friendships, that you would be lived out through us and among us, and that, God, from there, they might come to know you, Father, to have the relationship with you that, they've, that they didn't know they didn't have, that they would, from there, have that relationship with others, and that this, like, like a good infection would spread as your love spreads through us and through others. And we would celebrate as you begin to reveal that love in this world that needs it so desperately. So we just ask that you would move us now, shape us, and God, work through us, we pray. It is in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.